Hey everyone. So I have talked a lot about why cancel culture is a great reason to become a Patreon supporter, which it still is. However, there's another good reason. And that is that the more subscribers I have, the fewer commercials I need. You've probably noticed that this program is largely commercial free and I'd like to keep it that way. And the only way to do that is via listener support. So if you are an avid listener of the Suzanne Venker show and you like that it's commercial free, please consider becoming a monthly subscriber. Just go to SuzanneVenker.com forward slash podcast and you'll see a red button about a quarter of the way down the page. Again, that's SuzanneVenker.com forward slash podcast. Also, I just wanted to remind you that I now have a YouTube channel where we upload weekly videos that are designed to motivate and support you in your journey to a happy marriage and a happy life. Just head on over to YouTube, type in my name, and when you see my channel, hit subscribe. That way you'll be notified the moment a new video has been uploaded. Finally, if you or if someone you love is single and wondering where all the good men have gone, you'll be thrilled to know that my new book, How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched, a 12-step program for marriage-minded women, is available now for pre-order. This book is a game changer for any woman who's unhappily single or divorced. It's the detox women need to reject the lies they've been fed by our culture when it comes to men and marriage. It's about what you really want versus what you're told you should want and what is true of men and marriage versus what you have been told is true. Just go to howtogethitched.net and you will find all the information you need there. Again, that's howtogethitched.net. And now on with the show. From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we join the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. So several weeks ago, I posted an interview with a gentleman named Adam Coleman, who's the author of the book, From Black Victim to Black Victor. I highly recommend watching that if you have not, or listening to that, I should say or watching it if you're um, a YouTube subscriber, where Coleman outlines all the ways in which the Black community has been conditioned to believe they are oppressed and how Black women in particular have fallen for feminism to the detriment of their families and even themselves. Shortly thereafter, I received an email from a woman named India Lee Starks who loved the interview and who emphasized this question that came up in my interview with Coleman. Why are Black women forgiven for failing to select better men? That was one of the questions that that Coleman had asked. Here's what India, who is also black, had to say. Quote, why are black women never accountable for anything? That can go for women in general, too. But when I look at my counterparts these days, the modern black woman, my heart fills with grief. They are far from the heroines of the greatest of, of the greatest generation and generations before. They are entitled, arrogant and selfish. It is painful to watch. They champion single motherhood like it's an achievement and have become oppressive and demoralizing in their attitude and treatments towards black men. It's nauseating, end quote. After receiving this email, I subsequently invited India on to discuss feminism and how it affects the black community, because this is obviously not something that I can speak to. And I sort of stumbled upon it with both, um, the Coleman interview, and then hearing from India. And then also I've been watching some Kevin Samuels, which again, if you're watching this via YouTube, you probably know who that is. And he would, I mean, this is basically his wheelhouse. This is what he does every day with his YouTube channel. So it's all really fascinating. Um, so that's what she's here to talk about with me today. 
India Lee Starks is 34. She was born and raised in Williamsburg, Virginia, and currently lives in the D.C. area. She worked for Teach for America in 2011 and the D.C. Corps from 2011-2013. She then graduated from law school and afterward helped open a, a charter school. Sorry. In 2018, she worked for a year in the White House and now works for the Department of Education Office of Civil Rights. India is newly married with two teenage stepsons. Welcome to the show, India. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so glad. This is this is going to be good. This yes, is going to be good. I'm ready. Um, so I wanted to start with your telling people how you got with me. Like you wrote to me after watching my interview with Adam Coleman and why did that speak to you so much and why did you reach out? So I actually, it, it took me a while to get through the rest of the video because I was stopped dead in my tracks when you were, you know, quoting some of the quotes from his book and it, and it talked about, um, you know, why aren't, uh, you know, so many women, black women aren't held accountable. And that's something I have been seeing, you know, in friends and, you know, on TV and even in my own life and looking back as I was growing as a young woman. And it just, it, 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 it's, it infuriated me in a way because it's, it's breaking apart communities and relationships and friendships. Um, and so, you know, that's when I started to write my comment in the, on, yeah. on the video. Which, and, by the way, you don't know this, but I read a little bit of it before you came on. So that, that, that quote that you wrote in the email, why are black women never accountable for anything? I read already to everybody. So they heard what you said. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then of course, all of the other things that he was talking about with, you know, just within like the black community, uh, of course, that, that, that helped me get into the thought mode of like, okay, well, what I've been doing in my own life, having come from being a teacher and caring about the community and caring about young women and caring about, you know, especially like young, young women, teenage women or young women in that case are getting ready to be women. Um, I, I, I was faced with, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? You've been talking about it a lot. You've been saying you've been wanting to do things. My husband's saying like, oh, you need a mentor. You need to, you need to get some resources to be able to start making an impact. And so you know, I thought, I've, I've been watching you for a while. Um, everything that you say is spot on. Like uh, everything that you say about marriage is is what we need so much. And so something that says, just, just send her an email and, and ask her to maybe at least put like, you know, and she's probably super busy. You know, she can point you in the direction of like, hey, this is where you should go to kind of start or, you know, and that's how it, that's how it started. And here we and are. And instead... Yeah, I, Instead, oh my gosh, I was floored at your response. Like I just, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I was staring at my phone. Like I cannot believe she responded well, so quickly. And <laughs> I just wasn't finished with that conversation with Adam Coleman. You know, it's just the beginning. I mean, it needs a lot more. So when you reached out to me, I thought we've just got to keep talking about this. And obviously, as a white woman, I can't really, uh, I'm not the person to address this. Um, and you guys are because it's in your community and you see it more and you have an, an angle and a handle on it that I, I mean, I've always been talking about this. I don't, I never even talked about it from being black versus white or not versus, but I mean, black and white communities when it comes to feminism. I, it's just that feminism is a very much a white woman's movement. It always was. And we talked about that, he and I. Yes. yes. And so I just never even addressed it from the black perspective. And then when you guys did, it's just, I, and then I started to watch the Kevin Samuels channel. I'm like, wait a minute, we've got to talk about this because I think it's affecting it worse in the black community than in the white community. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the criticism comes in for, um, you know, I guess black feminists, because a lot of the criticism is that this was never the same issue in our in our families and households. Um, our our communities were not are not without their issues. Um, you know, from as far back as you know, Reconstruction, you know, civil rights, but but they were not the same. And so to adopt 
um, the ideas and even the strategy and implementation of a movement that doesn't fit your situation directly. Maybe it fits your, your sentiments and how you feel and your frustration, but the frustration comes from somewhere different than the frustration of the other community. Their frustration, you know, it's, it's different. So when you try to apply it that way, it, I think it has like, you know, like you said, it has a worse effect. Um, especially if, you know, there's, there's men who are being, um, I guess, targeted in a certain way uh, by by women that they've always supported. And they they feel they really feel like, wait, what's going on? And of course, uh, there's a the video that you made about how men are not designed to argue with women is perfect because they kind of throw their hands up and say, OK, well, you know, I you know, I love my I love my wife, my mothers, my sisters. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fight with them. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of sit back and let it go. But it, in, 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 in the pro- and then here comes the pride and self-righteousness that comes with um what I call and I read uh, in college, the pedagogy of the oppressed, the oppressed become the oppressor is that it, it it starts to cause you to put yourself over the oppressor instead of just saying, Hey, do right by me. But then again, going back to the, to the original do right by me, there was no wrong in the same way it was for white feminists um, dealing with their families and their communities. So I, I mean, I'm assuming it's somewhat of a confluence of things in the last 20, 25 years to how it's affected the black community as much as it has, because this is, I mean, when you think about everything that's gone on post-feminism, there's a lot more movements there. You've got self-esteem movement. You've got um, the decline of religion. You've got obviously all the left-wing policies that are designed to break down the family. And the black family used to be as intact as the white family. Thank you very much. Back in 1930, 1940, these are all new things that have affected all of us. But what do you feel like? So you're 34. Do you feel like um, it's always been this way from your memory or that there was some sort of shift within the black culture with respect to this, this new attitude toward men and I don't need no man and I can take care of myself and just all that feminist stuff that we hear everywhere. So I think it, it hadn't, it hasn't been too much of a shift uh, in being fair in, in the time period and where I started to really receive uh, the sick, the messaging and, you know, started to see the experiences of other women in and out of our community. Um, there was, so I think about movies that we watched in the black community, like Boomerang. And so there's this, there's, um, it's, uh, what's her name? Robin Givens. She's like the, oh, yeah. She, she, name in a while. Yeah. yeah, right. She comes in and she's like the great, like, She's take she's gonna take like the marketing director place of of Eddie Murphy's character, and so it, it's this rise of the she's like this independent black woman, beautiful, gorgeous. But what ends up happening is you know he ends up going for Holly Berry, who is you know still strong and and, and very um uh, a, a very good woman and very ambitious in her career. But there was a certain lack of masculinity that that she didn't have that that Robin Givens has. Like when she comes in the first date and she wants a beer and she's like watching the you know game. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but mm-hmm. it ended up meaning that she didn't attach to him in a way that was in the same way he like really cared about her. He was upset when she didn't show up for the date. I mean I don't really get into the movie, but it speaks to the culture of how uh women, black, black women in particularly that, you know, as it relates to this, how we were starting to respond to men. And he's like, like he, she doesn't show up for hours and he had gone all, but spent $200 on tickets. And she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I was just so stressed on the plane. No, I was, you know, the plane arrived late and he's like really upset. And she's like making a joke out of it. Like, Oh, were you? Oh, I'm so sorry. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, she doesn't have any clothes on under her trench coat. And so that's fine. Yeah. But she ends up, but he really, <laughs> so he that's really, fine. yeah, I mean, that's, you know, so that's, fine. but he ended up, it, 
he ended up like being and, and, and in fairness, he was a player at first, but he really, really wanted a relationship with her. And she kind of just was like, no, this doesn't. Oh, you're not catching feelings, are you? Oh, you know, catching feelings. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So you look at this, this film. Oh, like, 92, maybe? 1992. 90, 90. Yeah, 92. Um, so it's, it's stuff like this starts to show up in the movies. And this, I mean, these are movies that I'm watching. You know, there's um, there's a, and there's and there was a plethora of movies in the 90s that were like that. So it started to, you started to see it a little bit. And it's it's just and of course it's since then it's it's gotten worse. But why do you think you're so different from your contemporaries and that it didn't take with you? My so I think about the first time I saw, like, you know, well, that time the movie was on. Like I'm in my grandmother's house with my dad. Uh, my dad was there. So my my mother, uh, my dad's mother, and my my grandmother was a very like traditional woman as far as like what feminists kind of hate. So mm-hmm. she was uh, a housewife. Uh, she I think she didn't even finish high school. She uh, was up to the eleventh grade. I think she got they got her. My grandfather got married at twenty. And um, of course, and they had uh, three children and she when they she did get a part time job work, taking kids. Well, actually, the job was taking the kindergartners to kindergarten. And then uh, she worked in the cafeteria to help prepare to put them through school. Paid. They both my grandfather and mother grandmother paid for all three of them to go to college, like didn't take out any loans like mm. and that. And that was because, you know, mm-hmm. she got the part time job. And then once they were they were done, she kind of rolled back a little bit. She helped clean the, a church that was right by, by nearby. And that was kind of what she did every once in a while. And she was very I mean, she was a humble. She was humble. She was sweet and she was quiet. I remember in, in very traditional. I was I came in the house one time from being outside whistling. And she was like, ladies, don't whistle. She was like a whistling woman and a cackling something or a crowing hen something so it was some old saying and I was like I was like seven I was like women don't whistle what but you know but she was very like these are these are the these are the trademarks of a lady and she and that was you know she didn't there wasn't too many of those things that she would say Mm -hmm. she was just the model like I saw her she never complained she never complained she I she would wash everybody's clothes in the household, like when my brother and I were there, it would be my brother and I, my, if my dad was there, his clothes, or my, there was a time where we stayed with my, our grandparents. And then, so she's washed like five and six, including her clothes. She's washing them. We didn't have a wash and dryer, so she had to go to laundromat. She brings them all back. She irons everybody's clothes, even our underwear. I would tear through the clothes looking for a shirt and not even put it back. And I'd like go off to school or whatever and come back and it would be put back together and she never said anything about it now that was she, she never claimed like you don't even care that I just you know folded all your clothes no she just and it was you could tell it was because of that's how she loved her family by supporting them that way she knew that I think she understood that I didn't not appreciate her I think she understood that like I was rushing out of the house and like yeah she probably could have folded the clothes back or had a little bit more care but I don't need any recognition to know that I play a role in my family I saw that and then I ended up emulating that in my own house. I didn't realize it. Like, you know, if, you know, they, if, you know, my son leaves his shoes, I just, or my husband, leaves, I just, I, I can't, I just keep putting them back. I don't even say anything. I, but I think the modern woman would be like, you know, this is the third time I've had to put your shoes back. You just always leave them in the floor. You never pick them up. My grandmother. So, so it was your grandmother who had this, this influence on you that you yeah. just sort of like thinking about how she would react to something compared to how maybe somebody you're seeing on TV would react or whatever, how, or your friends. Yeah. How a wife and a mother is what, what, what it means to love in that, in that way. And even my mom was very humble. She, she never, you know, my mom and dad divorced at 12 when I was around 12 and my mother never said a bad word about my father. She never, ever 
not one. And I'm pretty sure she could have said, mm -hmm. you know, a bunch of things. Never did. She mm -hmm. never talked bad about men, period. She was yeah. she never talked about anybody really. She didn't gossip. She didn't even like gossip. You know, she wouldn't, you know, lie for me when people would call and I'd be like, I'm not here, I'm not here. She's like, I'm not lying for you. You know, so she 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 emulated yeah. a character that I don't see in much women, which is a lack of pride, a lack of self-righteousness. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. See, and that's and I that's why I keep coming back to when I talk about all this stuff that really, to me, the only solution, since you cannot get it from the schools, you're not going to get it from the movies, you're not going to get it from the nightly news, you're not going to get it from anywhere except parents. I, I truly believe parenting is our last best hope oh, to um, to do what you can to counteract what your kids are seeing from the time they're little and the messages that they're getting. And if you don't do that, you will lose them to the culture because the culture is powerful. And it, for a time there, it will be more powerful than you. But if you plant the seeds and you do it early on from the beginning, um, I, I believe um, that, well, I mean, it's worked with my kids. I mean, my kids would never, they're just nothing like your typical average modern boy or girl. They're just very independent thinkers and that's the way we've raised them and that's i it can be done it can be done and i i believe that it's the only the only realm left to work with i mean where else yeah. where are you going to get it yeah yeah i tell we we tell our son all the time we have all these conversations with him and i know sometimes he's probably like oh here they go again but i i see it working he's 15 now and like i had him go and read i read with him through the proverbs 31 woman and I said, this is the type of wife that you want. She always brings her husband good all the days of her life. Like she's working, she's, she's diligent. She's focused on like what's best for her family and herself. I think that, um, you know, of course, well, and accountability is like a completely other subject that we can get to later that we kind of mentioned in the beginning. But, you know, I talked about like what, what a woman wears and how that's communication. Yep. Yep. Like, you want a girl that has her stuff hanging all out. Is that yep. you want her to raise Thank her children? You. So he, uh, it, unfortunately though, he and even said the other day, he said, uh, you know, well, Mark, cause a lot of his close friends have girlfriends. It's like, well, I'm kind of lonely. You know, my, you know, Jonathan has a girlfriend. I'm like, you're doing the right thing. I said, you have no business in a relationship. Like I didn't have any business in, in a relationship in high school. You know, nothing. I said, I could have been a better track athlete. I could have been a better dancer. I could have been a better student. I had no business in a relationship at all. I was like, but the culture tells you that that's what you're supposed to do. And then they even misrepresent what the roles are in those relationships. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and I was mm -hmm. like, you're doing, you know, and so he's, yep. he's listening. And I'm like, these are, yep. these are the Perfect women, women you don't I mean. want. Yep. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. No question. That's where it has to come from. Now they may, I mean, it's, I'm, that's not to say that a, a kid would necessarily always 100% follow the directives of the, of the mom or the dad or whatever, but at least you've done it. At least you can know that you did what you needed to do. And then if they choose right. to go another way, well, there's not a lot you can do once they're right. gone. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but while you have them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And modeling. We're going to pour it down your throat. Yeah. yeah we're going to pour it down your throat. That's right. Okay. Okay. So, so your husband, your stepsons, they're, I mean, you're all probably very like-minded on all this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And so, um, if you, you know, that's the other thing, if you and your spouse are the same on the same page about it, your son's, or in your children, one's children are also more likely to, wow. to follow suit. If you're in lockstep about it, it's when sometimes mom and dad aren't, and then they don't know 
who's right or who's wrong or who to listen to or who they identify with or whatever, yeah. then it gets to be more problematic. So the more alike you are on it, the better. Yeah. And that's why I said tag because I feel bad from sometimes we're like a tag team. We're just like, yeah. And then, yeah. And then let me tell you something yeah, else. And it's like, oh yeah. And I got some more here. And it seems like, oh, okay. What's going on? I know my four kids, they, they were like, <laughs> they got the opposite. They got inundated, you know, too much. Yeah. But, um, okay. So I'm going to, we're going to talk just, I'm going to have, I'm going to name a few facts about, the black community. And then I'm going to refer to some, some material on Kevin Samuel's channel. So for anyone who doesn't know who that is really quick, um, he's got a very big YouTube following. He's been doing this for a while and he, how would you describe him, India? What would you say? I'll let Honest you do that. And direct. Honest yeah. But and I mean, direct. like, what does he do? Like, how would you describe what oh, he does? He gives the viewpoint of what men are and what they want to women who in the audience now is women who traditionally haven't believed what that is, what that actually is in reality. Right. And they're all black, right? It's all, yes. All the ones I, they're, they're, I've seen one that wasn't, um, but most of them are. So it's geared to the black community. He's a black man and he's trying to speak specifically to black women, correct? Yes. yes. About what is going on in our culture and how you can specifically uh, turn it around if you're if you're able to listen to what he's telling you. And of course, so many of them aren't. You watch them go back and forth for an hour, and then he just at the end he'll like cut them off and be like, I just forget it. Yes, <laughs> beating a dead horse. Yes. Um, but okay, here's what he's battling. Okay, we know we have seventy percent, roughly, of single black mother. Uh, let's see, seventy percent of single families. Almost. Actually, I looked this up specifically before we came on yesterday. I mean, this morning before I came on. Um, and I have the median. No, wait, that's different. Not that one. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, this has uh, Asian, Black, Hispanic, and White percentages. This is from 2019 of single parent homes. White is 24%, Hispanic 42%, Black 64. And then there's two other Asian 15. This is really interesting. And American Indian 52. So, so black families are, we already know this, you know, leading the charge when it comes to single parent families. Um, and mostly that's single moms. And he is, it's, it's, um, one of the big things that he does is help explain to these single women who have children and are back on the dating market, why, what they're looking for is unrealistic. So he's really honing in on unrealistic expectations, which again, I have talked about ad nauseum about women in general, no matter what color you are, just being, it's really more about the generation. I just speak to the generation, yeah. but he really hones in on specifically the black community. So um, for example, he had on a, a mother recently who's, who he's trying to explain, she has two children and she's single and she was never married to the father, but she's got these two children and she, and she's and she uh, um, wants to find a husband, but they don't want to say it that way. It's always interesting the way you listen yeah, to them. It's like yeah. they don't say the word husband, you know, mm -hmm. but he'll say, well, do you want to get married? You know, and, and, and they'll say, well, yeah, I'd like to get married. And then he will say, well, what do you've got going on for you? What do you what do you have to offer? You know, well, I have two children. I have a great job. I make great money. I'm really beautiful. I weigh 115 pounds, you know, whatever the case may be. And he has to explain to him, to them, that the two children are a massive hindrance to what they want because they're looking for, quote unquote, this high quality man who has options other than a woman with, with children who's not, you know, someone else's children. Right. 
So, right. so this is an example of, I'm just, for anybody who doesn't know who this is, this is what he's dealing with. Yeah. And they're pretty And in optimistic. doing that, he has to ask them flat out, are you a feminist? Over and over. So basically so much of what he's doing is what I'm doing as far as pointing out the flaws of feminism. So how would you say that feminism has directly affected the black community, the typical black woman today? So I'll say, I have to start by saying like, everybody likes being a victim, especially when you're not really one. It feels good. It feels good to be a victim, especially when you're not one. And I think that's that's what's at the root of it. Um, we It's affecting the Black community in the sense that we already have had an estrangement in our community, in our family since the 1960s, mm -hmm. where Black families were on the incline, where poverty levels for the two decades before the 1960s were declining significantly in the Black community. Um, Two thirds, I think, of, of of black families had, you know, there were two parent households before the mm -hmm. 96. So we were already in the class. So again, there wasn't really, we weren't having the same issues. And mm -hmm. so, 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 so we start to create this divide with, you know, personal empowerment, you know, women empowerment, and and it estranges the family so much more. Um, we've never benefited by turning people against each other, especially men and women. And we've always had, you know, and of course, and this is where I will, you know, give credence to people who go back to, to talk about slavery, like keeping the family together, even if it was in spirit because we got separated, you know, got sold and, you know, traded. That was, whether it was by letter or, you know, like Frederick, Frederick Douglass's, uh, in his narrative, he talks about how his mother would walk to see him. There was still like a bonding, a, a connection of family. So when you have these ideas that, that you're doing something to me and I have to separate or be better than you, you estrange us even more. And that has been why we've been successful, that we have been uh, a, a close-knit tight community um, that has been able to withstand whatever oppression and blows that were legitimate throughout the throughout time um, and, and overcome them and with mm -hmm. reason. And I think that that kept us humble in a way that was, that was foundational uh, and that was healthy. And so when when we when we take the anchor out of the out of out of our community which is the family the mother the husband like then we're 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 so much worse off and then i think every all of the progress reverses so we don't have the same history as the white community right so then we we revert back to to poverty and 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 even of the worst kind and there's violence that comes into our community because there's 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 frustration and angers that come from all over the place um and and we're and now uh, and you hear in a lot of conversations and i did uh, within the last decade of we don't even know where to start with how to fix it because it's gotten so out mm -hmm. of control whether mm -hmm. i don't think that's the same with feminism in other communities um because the 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 history is a little different yeah um, so, yeah. But, well, like, just look at the fatherlessness problem alone. Now, father absence is a, I mean, to me, it, it is the, it, it, it is the problem in America it, that we'll it, never address until there's someone get the their ass in Congress and say, this is the problem. I because, wish people would read the boy crisis, please. I know, I know, I know. And so father absence encompasses all kinds of, it's not just the kind of fatherlessness that we see in the black community, which is much greater than in the white community, because father absence, I like that phrase better because it, it encompasses both. Yeah. You never knew your dad and your parents never got married, but, or your, your dad, or they, or you, or they were married, but then they got divorced and you rarely see him or they are married, but he's totally disengaged. The father absence is just basically not having that emotional male um, support in your life growing up to teach boys how to be men and to teach girls how to be, 
um, how to respect themselves so that they're worthy of a man. Right. Absolutely. So when I started seeing in, in uh, uh, women that were my age, uh, college age at and postgraduate postgraduating or post uh, undergrad uh, was the, you know, on, on Father's Day. Oh, and it would, oh, it would be uh, so upset. The happy Father's Day to uh, meet because I'm the mother and the father, you know, oh, like, no, the post, okay. and I'm like, okay. No, no, you're, you're not. No, you're not. You have never been a man. You have no idea what it feels like to hold anger with testosterone in your body, what it's like to have to, uh, you know, carry on certain loads, responsibilities along with, you know, frustration and anger, risk your life if you're in a job where you're, you know, in construction or you're out at sea, you know, catching fish, whatever it is. You don't know what that's like. And for, for children, especially boys, they need to see the they need to see the example, not just be taught it. You can't you can't say, hey, you shouldn't get upset and throw something across the room when 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 you can't take it. They there have to see it modeled. Yep. And if there's nobody there to model it, you cannot. You've they omit, and so and then so boys only see anger uh, and frustration dealt with in the body of a woman, and that's why we have a lot of weak boys now because yes. it's like they emote yes. the way that their moms do. Yes. No, that's not going to work, right? Right, and so th so now so now the so now the black boys that we do have coming up are not as strong as the previous generations mm -hmm. because of that, and mm -hmm. and and they don't even some of them don't even see it themselves because there's uh, Jordan Peterson Jordan Peterson talks about the devour, devouring mother, how you know it's like almost like the creating a a, a unhealthy uh, attachment to their sons and and where it's more of a companionship almost in the sense that like you. Like Hansel and Gretel, like you want to eat your children almost, but yeah, yeah, and and so they so that so there's an attachment that the son has to the mom where he doesn't even see her manipulation. No, and sometimes she doesn't even know, like not just the devouring, but the and maybe this is part of the devouring, but um, replacing what you don't have in, as a love relationship. So your son is now your father figure. Oh my gosh, I mean that's a whole nother. You're now that you're you're the yeah you're the, you're the man, man of the house. house. He's ten. I know, right? What do you mean? <laughs> so exactly, yeah, and so, this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that, again, once again, I don't know, is that more rampant in the black community than the white? I mean, I would imagine because there's so much more father at fatherless, there's the fatherless is greater there. Right. And the pride in this, again, I don't know. Again, it's like, it's like uncharted territory. We don't talk about it, but is there more pride in a black single mom than in a black white mom? I mean, in black woman than in a white mother. Is there more, is there some pride that's attributed to being a single mom? in the black community where there's just um, a complete dismissal um, or understanding of what's missing when there's no man in your life. Um, it's, it's, and is it, is it the same way in the white community? Do we all understand the scope of what is missing in our children's lives without that father there? I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it matters if we delineate who, who's, who's, who understands more or less than the other, but it's just bad all the way around. Right. Right. I think that I want to say in, so I maybe a two part answer. One that the pride is demonstrated differently, but I also think that it may be enhanced a little bit because in the black community, there has been a, um, even where valid, a, a applause of the strong black mother. Like, so you think about how, you know, women were, you know, raped by their slave masters and, and, you know, men couldn't do anything and they still had to like go out and do. And so, um, and, and when, you know, men were killed, uh, black men were killed and, you know, uh, thrown and, uh, 
reconstruction where they had like the vagrant laws and like, you know, they're thrown into jail and they're lynched and all that stuff. It's like they, they still carried on. And so there was a legitimate, hey, like, you know, the black mother has to had to have been strong. I think there's that uh, where maybe if there's any pride that comes from that, it's not. Um, well, I personally think all pride is bad, but if there's any pride that's maybe this is oxymoronic, that's OK there's we we're starting there so there's a there's pride from like okay well we had to have been the the strong you know black woman because we were oppressed at a level that like mm -hmm. you know was unconceivable to our generation mm -hmm. so then then in, in comes uh, feminism and uh, black women adopting that so now it's increased so i think it may be a little bit more so it's like oh because i hear a lot of yeah, a lot of sense. a lot of black women say i'm tired of being strong I don't know oh, please oh women do i mean white women do okay, too they do that's, that's okay. definite massive epidemic. Um, yeah. I am, I am exhausted. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. Where's the man to take care of this for me? So I don't have to run the, you know, burn the candle at both ends. And of course, well, there's not enough of the men that there used to be because you, you supplanted their role. Thank you. you. I'm like, you put you them away, you supplanted their role and you wanted to be them. I think there's a, I have to like, there's a quote I read the other day and I, and I like jotted it down because it's by T.S. Eliot. It is Love. perfect. He says, Half the harm that's done in the world is due to people who want to feel important. They do not mean to do the harm, but the harm does not interest them. I was like, ooh, stop right there. Then the second part is, or they don't see it or they justify it because they are absorbed in the endless struggle to think well of themselves. Mm. I was like that. I mean, that could fit a lot of things, but that sounds a lot like what's happening with women. Like, we're like, uh, I think I was listening to when I was listening to Warren Farrell, who wrote The Board Crisis, when he was talking to Jordan Peterson and he was talking about why he, I think it was a, it was some women's organization, a coalition that he was a part of in the beginning of his, of his, um, National Organization of Women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said that, that when this, when it came out that, that, uh, in divorces, how it was hurting children, that, that they weren't be able to go with their fathers, that the women said they didn't care. They still wanted right. the custody. Right. What? That's, that's what turned, that's what turned him off of. Yeah. And that's what this is that the harm doesn't interest them. Mm -hmm. Like that's yeah. it. it yeah. But, but I thought you loved your children so yeah. much. And I'm just this great mother and like, oh, Mother's Day and I'm the mother and the father. But it's like, you don't even care that your children are being harmed. The tell, like you're shortening your lifespan, like telomeres, like that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Come on. You know, mm -hmm. I, that's, yeah, I, I, I mean, kind of digressed a little bit. But. Well, that's all right. I mean, the point, and so like I have a quote here from Kevin Samuels again, from what I looked at this morning, he actually refers to quote unquote, our women are delusional, our women, again, oh, he's talking yeah. about black women, because he speaks with them every day, and he cannot reach them, because they are literally so far gone, yeah. in their inability to think of a man as um, equal to her, which is the irony, of course, of the whole thing, she is superior, he needs to be worthy of her. Um, again, but I would say this is just women across the board. Yeah. I mean, anyone born, anyone younger than say 40, let's say, has been raised with this. That doesn't mean every single one is that way. It just means that's what they've been groomed to think and right. not, it doesn't take with everybody, but it has taken with enough to where it is an epidemic. Right, right. And that's, and that's the pride that goes back to the pride, the self-righteousness. It's the, and the, the, what gets me that I see a lot with his, with his women is that we have become so audacious in our, and, and arrogant to, to sit and say what men want and what they like and what they should have. How can you say, well, you know, I, I, I make this and I do this and that he basically, he, and he should want me. That's what I'm doing. But he, men keep saying, I don't want this. I don't want this. Right. 
Right. But no, but this, and they keep yeah. giving the opposite. Yeah. Right. I don't, well, they, they yeah. literally, and I've heard that people say when you, when you go to the match.com or whatever those dating sites are, and they put on there as the, one of their attributes, you know, about how strong and successful they are as if that's a selling point. Right. They, but they right. genuinely believe that it is. It's not like they're no. trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. They really truly believe. And he's trying to get across them. No, we don't care about your job. No. That's not what we're looking at when we look at you. What kind of job right. do you have to support me? That's just not how it works. And, and I think that's the other problem too, is that the, what feminism has done is it's created uh, a shift in identity where our identity has become our careers and our jobs. And and not that we're mothers and wives and that we're, or we're, oh, that's we're nurturing creatures. Right. right. That's our identity. So like, yep. that's what we push forward. And like when I got, so I had, when my, I met my husband, like I had just got out of law school and, you know, I had, you know, visions to save the world. And like, maybe I still will kind of, maybe, I don't know. But we, I, he, he told me not long after, we, before, even before we got married, he was like, I don't care what you do. He's like, you can work at McDonald's. He's like, if you want to work at McDonald's and that's, you really want to flip those burgers and you really feel like that's going to help people, like you do that and we will adjust. He doesn't care about that. He cares that I love and respect him. And I love him in the ways that show love to him. Like, okay, if I'm affectionate, yeah, I'm affectionate. That's for me. But I show him that I love him by taking care of myself because if we don't take care of ourselves, we might be a little hard to be around. So it's like by taking care of ourselves and, and um, what was the other thing said? Being consistent and, um, you know, doing what I, doing what I'm going to say I'm going to do. So if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to help or if I'm going to, you know, take on helping him, helping our son with his homework and that's going to be my role and not switch right. up, you know, just being, yeah. those things have nothing to do with like the amount of money I bring in or, you know, what my titles are at work. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. And that flip of that switch, it took several decades to do it. And it's fully inculcated in women today, unquestionably. But, and I don't know that you, if you ever studied the onset of this in the sixties, but with Betty Friedan's book, the feminine mystique, her argument was the exact opposite. She quote unquote wanted women to not have their identities be with their husbands and children and to instead have them be out in the world. And so to the degree that women did have their identities, quote unquote, wrapped up in marriage and motherhood and had nothing else or whatever to the, it's, it's the complete reverse 50 years later. So, right. so in other words, instead of we overcorrected, instead of saying, Absolutely. you're right, you know, get, get your feet wet, get out. There's more to life besides just this. If you want it, right. we supplanted and said, ah, you, Forget about maternal desire, right? Just, you don't need yeah. to worry about getting married. You don't have kids. Like, here's where your happiness and your satisfaction lie, lay in yeah. the marketplace. And so yeah. we just reversed it rather than calibrating it. Yeah, properly. complete shift of extremes. And you know, there were there was like an and I think it's a uh, I forget how you say her last name. Is it Camille Pay? Pally or Yeah. Well, she 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 talks about how you know like the second wave of feminism was is completely different than the first, and how like you know like women women were getting fired for being pregnant and stuff like that. Yes, we need to attack those issues. Yes, where, um, you know, women can't get credit in their own names. And, and, and you know, there's a bunch of case law we read in law school about that. And I'm like, dead. like she had to go to the store and like she couldn't, she had to go back and get her, her husband's permission. Like, yes, okay, we need to, we need to fix those things. And there was a legitimate um, need for that. And even when in the 1960s, when women, uh, she talks about this and says that, you know, she, they wanted actual freedom, not a shift of, of what it kind of looks like to be free. Like, no, let us risk rape. Like, let us, don't can hold us and coddle us. But now it's shifted to a more coddling, uh, you know, we, we, we want, 
we want liberation, but we still want handholding. I think that um, I, and I just lost my train of thought. I was going to say, um, oh, no, it's the so the patriarchy. It's like they don't want now they don't want the patriarchy to be uh, terminated. They want to be in control of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. I want to be in charge of it. Mm-hmm. And that you mean that, they want a matriarchy? Yeah, right. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. It's like it's like we don't. It's and, and that's and that was the deception. It's not down with the patriarchy so that we can be equal. It's move over patriarchy so we can create so we a matriarchy. Can, yes, yes. Right. The oppressed yeah. become the oppressor. Yeah. To go back to tell people about your experience in the White House because I don't know if this is before law school or after, oh. but you spent one year in the Trump administration, so. I think that's worthy of discussing. So tell yeah. people a little bit about that. So, uh, yeah, so I was in the United States trade representative in that office when the China tariffs uh, were, you know, they had uh, be, they had begun to be implemented and, and a lot of American businesses were going to experience very, very hard times with being able to afford the tariff. And so they created a uh, exemption uh, process of where businesses could apply to be exempt. So it was a big litigation thing, ultimately with the uh, general counsel. And so I became a part of that team to support that litigation. And, um, but it's shifting into like more like how it was with people. Cause you know, what we did didn't didn't matter. So I was, uh, I had like these three um, very typical conservative alpha male white coworkers who were like my brothers and there, there were girls, there were girls there, but like they were, it, one was uh, actually from Hungary, but he, but it was, it was only there until like he left after he was five. So he was, you know, and then, then they were from different places. And I, I got to see, and, and relating this to feminism and even kind of a racial thing, I got to see what it was like to actually experience the other side of what the reality of was between men and women. So like we would be in conversations and they were very, they were wicked smart guys. One guy we even call Wikipedia because like you'd ask him a question about something. He just starts spitting. Like it was like he had like a web browser in his head and he would just super wicked smart. I hope he like runs for office at some point. Really good. These are good guys, but these are also good guys that, that CNN would say are bad people or try to paint as bad people or that women would say, oh, the patriarchy, because they were very alpha males. Like we would be in conversations and it would be hard for me to talk, but it wasn't because they didn't see me. It's just that they don't communicate that way. Like if I wanted to insert my opinion, I had to be like, all right, now wait. But that came, it was, you know, and it wasn't that, oh, they don't see me. Oh, they don't care about my opinion. No, stop right there. See, now that, that's huge what you're saying, because that's a fantastic example of the difference between how you're going to move through the world. Are you going to take that scene and understand it for what it is? Or are you going to go into victim mode and think that there and create some sinister motive there that doesn't exist? It doesn't exist. And those guys, if I called them right, any of them right now, they, and I needed something, yeah. I would have it if they yeah. had it or if they could do it. Yeah. And that, that it, they would, and they, they would have protected me and they did. We would walk to lunch, you know, different, and they were very, but it's so, there was nothing. There was nothing there yes. that was sinister right. or wrong or discriminatory. Right, right. It's all. just males being males, especially if they're in a room together and there's not as not there's not as many women, and they're just being naturally male. It doesn't. And it didn't matter perfectly. if I was black. Yeah, yes. it didn't yeah. matter at all. And you know, I mean, just imagine if the average woman had that attitude, the one that you had have, as opposed to the flip side, which is what you hear ad nauseum everywhere you turn. You don't hear what you just described ever, ever. Yeah. yeah. That's a yeah. great example. Sorry, I interrupted. And it's, and it's not fair and it's, and it's very deceptive. And I don't appreciate that. It's like, you're, you're, you're 
you're doing the same thing. And, and of course we can see this, that you're doing the same thing that you don't want to be done to you, like generalizing all women or, yeah. you know, yeah. so you generalize all men. Like those guys are awesome. And I love them. And I miss them sorely, you know? So it's the, the fact, and they, and this is, and to be honest, this, is, this was a topic that we talked about a lot, like, you know, the relations between men and women and, and even like race, cause it, it affected them in a way that was unfair and disparative. And so they, they would, you know, kind of air grievances in a, in a more intellectual way a lot. Like I remember this was when the hand handmaid's tale was kind of like a thing. Oh yeah. There, was, yeah. there was actually a girl in our office. She ended up, um, you know, bless her, she ended up getting fired, but like we would, they would be talking, uh, it was an open area and they, and their, their opinions were very, like you could learn so much. I learned a tremendous amount from them, but they, of course, being who they are, they, and then they were fair, they were fair points. They weren't the narrative. And so this one particular employee, like this one girl, she would, she would jump in the conversation with typical, like, you know, kind of feminist rhetoric and they, and they would, they would shut her down, not in a way that was with facts and with yeah, points like right, what you're right. saying. Like debating. Like yeah, debating. they would they poke holes in our argument and it would make her so upset. Like she ended up going to tell on them. And I'm like, but you jumped in these conversations. You jumped in their but, conversations and then you're upset when your arguments don't hold and now you're going to go tell on them? Well, not only that, you just proved that you're not like any man. You just yeah. proved that you can't handle the debate. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you went by running. Oh, used to make me so upset. Oh my gosh. And I told you about when we were talking on the phone that there was a there was a woman uh, there was there was a white woman that was sitting at a table and we were sitting in Lafayette Park in front of the White House eating lunch. We were talking about the caravans that were coming uh, to the border, and um, they were having a legal debate about if you know military went down, like if they are legally allowed to do anything physically, um, if they're allowed to actually like pull their weapon and 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 physically like you know um, reprimand you know, people trying to come across the border. And that was the that was the basis of the debate. It had nothing to do with whether they had the right to come. And this woman. In, in very typical, like, um, and not privileged in the way other people use it, privileged fashion, privileged of like, I'm on a certain side of the narrative, got up and the, the tables aren't even close. So she had to really have been trying to listen. And she's like, they're people too. She stands up, walks over to our table and is like, they're people too. Okay. First of all, you can't even eavesdrop correctly because we didn't say anything about them not being, and, and it was, I wasn't even in it because, you know, they were just kind of going and I didn't really have all the case law that they had to, to get in the debate anyway. So I was just listening and it, it, it took like, you know, and then Wikipedia, like he's, he's shutting her down with facts. Like, well, no, we're actually talking about the, he, he, he's, I mean, he's like three, three section three, three, five point five a says, but I mean, he's like that. He's really good. And so, and she would, well, they, well, they should just have the right, you know, she comes back with just like a generalized emotional response. And then finally, uh, my, my, I won't say his name, but anyway, my, my other friend's like, listen, lady, we're trying to have a nice lunch. Like he had to be the one that's like, you came over here and interrupts. We're trying to have a nice lunch. Yeah. Like, will you, will you, will you walk away? And she finally goes away. And like, we were, we were fuming from that for a long time. I was like, how, how do you, but I think it speaks to a lot of like, to kind of bring full circle, like how how women are typically in their, in their positions of entitlement to, to speak and create a narrative. We're not even going to talk about the Brett Kavanaugh situation. Oh, oh yeah. No. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, grow horns. Yeah. Um, that was, oh my God. That was a very emotional week. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this I, this I, is what we've created. This is what we have. Um, this isn't a common thing that's stated openly, but everybody knows that women are more emotional than men. Right. Oh, that would, be yeah. like, oh my God. Did you just say that? Um, yeah. I say it all the time. I'm like, I listen, I'm my feelings right now. Sorry. Yeah, Let me just exactly. the corner for I mean, a it's, it's actually a great thing. It can yeah. be a great thing. It should be yeah. a great thing. Yeah. Um, as long as it's 
they don't take over. The emotions don't take over the reason and the common sense and the practicality and all that, which so often happens and is certainly happening right now in America, big time um, politically. But what was my point? Um, That that this what we're talking about here is that that's the one thing that feminism has been extremely uh, good at doing, and that's tapping into women's emotional center because mm-hmm. when you can make somebody as you said at the beginning feel like a victim human nature is such that it's going to go along for that ride because it's easier and it feels good in the moment right and then misery loves company you get enough people together and you you know you got your you got your tribe and that emotion is what I guess I see with when I'm watching the Kevin Samuels interviews, you know, that there's, he's trying to use reason and, and really work with them and helping them understand why they're not finding what they're looking for and how to, how they can, and they literally can't hear it. So then my question for you is then, so how do you combat that when it's so inculcated into their psyches that they, that, that if it doesn't feel right, it can't be right. That, and so, and I think about this question all the time. Um, I think that we need to, and, w- and which is why uh, I love you so much and what you do, because accountability, I think, has to come a lot from our sisters and our, like our, our because Agreed. men can do it to a certain point, but again, we're not, men aren't made to to argue with women. Um, they're going to throw their hands up and, you know, say, hey, because we're, if they were to exert their their defenses in the same way they would with a man, you're not allowed to do that with women. No, so they can't, can't win. They can't mm-hmm, combat mm-hmm, women. Mm-hmm. So we need to have more Suzannes. We need to have more people who are going to say, "Hey, sis, like that. This is wrong." And 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 I think that we have to be. I I've my my review has been okay. This may mean that some people still don't see, and they will have to be that sixty year old woman that's like, "Dag, I learned." now at 60 mm-hmm. that I was wrong. And that's unfortunate, but I think that we can still maybe grab some along the way um, to, to see that, that whether you actually want to identify what you, what women like, and I'm speaking to like these particular women, some women don't even say, Oh, I'm not a feminist, but they still like hold the uh-huh. ideas. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. what, basically what it is is that you're promoting your own interest over the interests of the communities and families. You so, slow down, slow down, say that again, because that's very important because it's really we're using the term feminist, but it's just so much deeper because, yes. as you say, so many people don't even use that word. Yes. It's not that is how it started and why it happened. Um, right. But it's 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 so it, it's in the air. You don't even have to identify it anymore. So it's really exactly what you just said. Say that again. So it's we're promoting our own interests over the interests of the communities and families. When we're, when we're operating in that in that realm of psychological thinking or emotion, whatever you want to call it. And when a man's dating a woman like that, he needs to move on right away as soon as he sees that. Immediately. 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 I, you, you had a video about uh, cohabitating and you said at the end, like, don't walk out, run. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. run, you know, and that's for the woman, but it's like in, for, similar for the man, yep. like run. Yep. I told myself. When you hear feminist talk, run. And it won't, it won't, you, again, you won't think of that word necessarily, but you'll, you'll right. notice the selfish 
or self-centered or haughty or entitled. Or, That's the word I've yeah, been, I've yeah. been, I've like, I forgot to mention it. And I feel like is that this, that comes right after pride is the selfishness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's, uh, and again, one of the, one of your other videos about the, the 13 reasons why modern marriages don't work. Selfishness is huge. Yeah. It's huge. Like you don't understand that partnership, what, not even partnership in the sense that some women are thinking about it, but when you come together with someone, it is not about you. Like it's about, because it like the way my husband and I work so well is that he's, he concerns himself with making sure he cares for me. And I concern myself with making sure I care for him. So we're both covered. Right. Exactly. I don't have to worry about, I don't need to do the double work. Of like, well, what about me? And I, and, and, and what women, and I have to like this, people need to remember this. You best change people when you are the example. You best show love when you are loved. You there is not one instance where somebody has shown true, uh, uh, honest love or not genuine love. That's the word I was going to. And 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 it hasn't cracked even the hardest, most stone cold person. Like when you don't say, "Well, I deserve, I deserve," and you just keep modeling. I have seen it in friendships. I have seen it even in you know serial killer cases. That one serial killer who killed like a bunch of. Uh, he was a police officer that, that murdered a bunch of prostitutes and, 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 and all the, all the people kept coming up and saying like, you know, I hope you rot. You killed my sister. And you understand this one guy at the end comes up and he, and during the whole trial, I think the trial was like a week long. He didn't crack. I mean, his face was like a, a solid rock the entire week. Not one emotion came across his face. This one man comes up and he says, you know, you really challenged my faith. And as a Christian and believing in Christ, he was like, but I wouldn't be, I couldn't be a Christian if I didn't say, you know, if I, if I didn't come to terms with this and I have to say that, I forgive you. The man breaks down like a little baby because he didn't, he didn't cling to the right of, I have the right to be angry. He said, no, I forgive you, bro. I mean, you can look it up on YouTube. It's it's the most powerful thing. And I feel like when we are that, when women, when women emulate the humility and love, like your the male will follow, even if, so if there are genuine things that are wrong, it will like, like, and that's, and I'm seeing that as a, as living proof, even in our marriage. So yeah, the, we got to get out of self selfishness is huge. It's huge. It really is kind of the whole enchilada. And oh my gosh, I have so much more to talk about, but I think we're going to have to stop it there for now. Oh, oh my yeah, gosh. gosh. Yeah, it's been, yeah, gosh that, that was, was a lot. Yeah. That was a lot, but it's just been awesome talking to you. Obviously this is kind of the beginning of a conversation, not the end, because I don't think anybody is talking about this in any big way, which is why I kept honing in, like I said, that Kevin Samuels, because I didn't know where else to get so much information right? specifically within the black community like that with respect to sex, love, marriage, and what's happening there. So, and family. Right. Oh my gosh. Well, we're not going to solve it today. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But what it's, Hey, we took a step. So, and I, and I, I still have like, have you, I want more to do read or have you heard of Thomas Sowell? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we talked that one time about how I first, uh, the very first book I ever started writing and never finished way back in the day, he was, I quoted him quite extensively. Yeah. I just ordered like, like 10 of his books. I've, I've read one of them, but I'm like, I just, I kind of want to get back. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Yeah. Facts matter. Reality matters. Selflessness matters. Pride. Let's get that out of here. But yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, and I, for people who like, if this is, their first time watching like your content is 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 great for for especially for young women and for marriages people like need to 
I'm please don't ever stop what you're doing because thank you, Andy. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I don't, and I'm so happy. I don't know how. I guess you know the algorithms you came up you know way back when on my on, on your my YouTube on my YouTube. And I was like, yeah, the YouTube gonna... thing is kind of new actually. So if you're listening to this via most people listen via audio through their podcast platform, so they're not really watching me. But it's just it's been recently that I've we've been putting it up on YouTube, and it's, oh my gosh, good. oh, it's thank, actually well, thank kind of goodness. recent. And yeah, and I and I must be getting more of a black following. My assistant says because you can keep track of these demographics, mm-hmm. and I think they're coming over from Kevin Samuels. Oh, I, okay. I do, and then I'm hearing from them, and so it's it it's just been a really interesting. Um new thing, you know, that, um, I can't quite figure out, which is part of the reason why I wanted to have you on to sort of try to figure it out. Yeah. Thank you. I I really appreciate it. It's, it's, it's good to be able to share and, and, and getting out the right and important message. And I'm, I'm happy to, I'm, I'm just so happy that you had me on. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad, I'm glad you came on and start a blog, India, start a blog. That's where I started. (sighs) Okay. Answer your question about, you know, like, what do I do with all this, 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 um, gumption that you have for it yeah like, just start with a blog you just you get it out you know don't worry about who's reading it just get it out okay you know that's I, I literally how that, i started I, 20 years yeah, ago I, kinda, I was like i don't know maybe i said like, there's so many blogs like people don't even well, hear me too it is, like, but your purpose isn't to necessarily you know have the number one blog in the country or even right. they make money you're just kind of starting by at least doing something and then from right. there other things kind of tend to happen. So. I appreciate that i think yeah. i'm really going to take that to heart yeah you down. have a lot to say and um we'd love to hear it so awesome. Thank we'll you so soon. much again. Thank I'm you, so India. You did this. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. You take care. All right. So you talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Venker show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook by typing in the Facebook search bar, the Suzanne Venker show. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Venker Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.